No crying. There's no crying in baseball. Card counters at the blackjack table. We're going to turn the odds on the casino. What's up, friends? Welcome to episode number 34 of Terrace Talk. We got the fellas back here, both Mitch's in attendance tonight, and uh, we're in high spirits right now. Baseball is officially back, the hot stove is burning. Fellas, how are we doing? Good, Hanson. Uh, had the grill out yesterday. Weather's heating up in Milwaukee. Baseball is back, baby. And yes. I can't wait to talk about it. It's it's good to be back. I know when the league went into a lockout, we actually went into a lockout with our sponsors as well. Uh, we're trying to work through some negotiations. So it's funny how kind of our uh, lockout mirrored the MLB lockout. So glad to be back. Glad to be feeling uh, feeling our value. And uh, we got spring training baseball starting here in, in four days. So uh, let's go. Yeah, man, it was uh, it was kind of a long, uh, dark off season for the Brewers. Like we did that Hunter Renfro podcast. That was like a buzzer beater. David Stearns deal. We got ourselves a little hyped up. Um, knew there was going to be some preparation of uh, some tenuous negotiations between owners and players. Turned out that way. Some ugly moments for the commish um, and some of the PA along the way, if I've been following correctly. Um, but eventually, uh, a few days ago before the weekend, the deal got done. And uh, thankfully, uh, we're playing a full 162 and not going to waste any of the Brewers window. That's uh, that's the big thing. We love that. So, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, we can start with the, the CBA, the lockout itself, some of the major highlights. Um so we're back. I know uh, this isn't going to be a labor pod, but just we can't just completely forget about the last, what, four or five months uh, since the, the lockout began. Um, so I'm going to kind of hand it over to, uh, to Mitch to give his, his thoughts, opinions, uh, you name it, about uh, or a summary even of what happened with the CBA here for people that weren't in tuned, such as myself, throughout the entire negotiations. Yeah, so every five to six years, that's tip. That's what the typical CBA length is. It kind of comes due. And in the past, ideally, you kind of have an agreement or a good framework as to what the next CBA will look like so these lockouts don't happen. Obviously, back when they signed the last CBA in 2016, it wasn't shortly thereafter where the players realized they ended up signing a really bad deal in terms of things like, luxury tax, especially with the, where the game was going in terms of revenue, 
Uh, the minimum player salary was a big one that we saw kind of fighting. So I think on top of everything that happened with, you know, you can talk about greed from the owners or, or whatnot. I think a lot of this too had to do with some kind of self-pity that the players took in terms of the bad deal that they had accepted, where it was like, we are going to get every inch that we can so we don't get stuck into a situation like 2016. I think the consensus is, is that for the most part, at least for a majority of the lockout, that the owners kind of handled this poorly. They were being very greedy, and I think all of those are valid. Um, but as it kind of grew on, my stance became it was just a really big black eye for baseball in general, both sides between owners and the MLBPA. And I think I would say a majority of fans just grew to not care. And we just wanted a deal done so we could get baseball back. However, that came. Um, so all in all, you know, outside of the, the back and forth, the owners being greedy, the MLBPA kind of not moving off their asking price. We've kind of finally made it. And to be honest, in, in reviewing the, the CBA, and I'm sure we'll go into some more details about, you know, the expanded postseason, the 12 teams or the universal DH or the minimum player salary now being up 150K from last year. I think baseball, hopefully, fingers crossed, is now headed in the right direction. They did some really cool things with the schedule, too, starting next year. Um, I saw we will play every single team. We'll have a series against every single team in baseball starting in, in 2023. Which, which is, is something cool. we've never seen. Yeah. And I think that was kind of a, a consensus awesome thing. So there's some, you know, there was obviously a lot of um, anxiety and stress and, and black eye for baseball through this, but I really think we are turning the page and, and headed for a better, better day. And when it comes to the MLB, so. Yeah, man, there's a, there's a stretch there. Like when they, I mean, obviously Rob Manfred is the the punching bag from everyone essentially just working for those 30 owners but holy smokes just like as someone that wasn't in the the details and following along all the you know throughout the whole winter um to see him like come back that day and like be laughing and like chuckling at the press conference and some of the quotes that he had that was that was a tough day and you kind of got a sense that you know, we might miss a, a decent chunk of games, um, but thankfully we're back. Um, Manfred's still a clown, but this uh, this new deal seems to be pretty solid for, for each side. Is that what, what was your guys' consensus in terms of were you very anti-owners, anti-players? Were you just kind of like what I said, where you didn't really care, you just wanted a deal to get done? No, I, I, oh, I want to get the uh, I wanted it to be more player friendly. I think, you know, they signed such a poor deal six years ago or whatever, where manipulation of service time was still happening. Like the I, I also just read that minor leaguers minimum salaries got raised, which is like uh, a big time thing that needed to happen. Like when you see you, you just can't have guys in systems tweeting like their W2s and having them show that they're making like 19, 20 K a year and like have to live off that. It's just wild. I know some of them get signing bonuses, but you're pretty much eliminating any of those guys that, you know, get drafted, you know, past the 10th round and want to keep playing ball if they're making that shit money. Right. 
And I mean, the, the minimum player salary going up from what 550 or 565 to 700 is a significant increase. And I think I saw a stat that 73% of major leaguers are on the minimum salary. So, I mean, that's a huge deal. Yeah. I mean, that'll go a long way for a lot of the brewers right now. I feel like just you're making like 25% raise essentially close to it. Um, just, I have an article pulled up here, but yeah, no more rotating interleague play. So the, the even schedule kind of more so like the NBA, um, like even the games within the division, like as much as we'd like to play a lot of our division right now, um, you know, it's not going to be like that every year. They're moving that from 19 to 14 games within your division. Um, so. Damn. I really yeah. wanted to keep beating the Cubs 15 to four every single year. I don't know, but they, they're, uh, their fans are, are already, you know, they see the red selling and find that as a path for themselves. So we'll <laughs> see, man. <laughs> I don't like, know. What, you know you lost? What, were, what were your thoughts throughout it? Like it was there. And I, like I said, I don't know the specifics a whole lot, but what were you, what was your uh, overall take on the situation? In the beginning, I was pretty anti uh, owners. Um, but kind of grew towards what Mitch said, where I just wanted, wanted to play baseball. It was so much back and forth, um, just scrolling Twitter daily and just seeing how many fans that they were losing, everybody complaining, like, this is not going to bring the next generation along with baseball um, and, and you know what? all that stuff. And I, you see all that too. I don't know how much there is to that. Like, yeah, I, yes, I do agree that baseball at, with all the young stars that they have now and trying to grow up a game, like couldn't afford to have, uh, significant lockout this year but also like I'm a pretty diehard baseball fan and I like I, my opinion on the sport altogether didn't really change throughout like you know what I mean like if they're if you're already a casual fan why are you paying attention to the labor negotiations in the offseason I think not. I think that got overplayed by a lot of people like the sport's gonna die it's like I don't think that's the case yeah, damn right. You bet. The average fans are gonna be firing up their girls on opening day, tailgating, and pissed drunk. Yeah, I mean, like basically, what opening day got pushed back a week, and guys have less spring training. Like this is Ryan Braun's dream of a year. <laughs> right. <laughs> Might as well come back. And like after opening day or like the first week of baseball, the casual fan pretty much stops paying attention anyways, and then they pick it back up in the latter part of summer and when playoff time comes around. So. I mean, I think it's more of just like a, and not trying to get philosophical on you, but I think it's just like human nature for people to like complain when something's going sour and be like, see, this is what I told you. This is why the game's going dead. But yet I'm sure if you ran uh, like a sample or like a data analytics after the year in terms of those people making those comments and the amount of games that they watched, like you said, it wasn't, it's not going to change. Yeah. Yep. And then what about like the, the physical, like, in-game changes like the the shift was a hot topic for a moment and did that get added is that going to be yeah 2023 and what the and i'm dead serious i'm i didn't look into it yet what's uh the stipulations on that like is it just second baseman has to be on the right side of the infield and shortstop has to be on the left yeah so i think it's two infielders on both or you'll need two infielders on each side of second base and they have to have my guess is both of their feet or one of their 
Like they have to be like touching the dirt or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you can't too. be in the outfield. Right, exactly. And that's that's for 2023, correct? Yep. None of those changes are happening this year. They're also making the base a little bit bigger. Um, that yeah, I, I think is also happening next year. Yeah, I guess what are your uh, – we can talk about that quickly. And this is a 2023 thing, so we don't have to go too in-depth. Um, what's your uh, initial take – being a fan of the sport and then the Brewers, do you see it being uh, beneficial or, you know, taken away from some of what they do with how much they shift and, you know, their advanced analytics? Yeah. It seems like I saw a joke on Twitter that someone said that all these new rule changes are like meant to like limit Craig council council and his ability to it's kind of, it's kind of felt that way to me. Like the, I don't necessarily mind it for the entertainment aspect. I get it. You'll see more singles, more action around the bases, more gappers, relays, yeah. et cetera. But a lot of, a lot of these do like uh, they do feel like, Hey, stop being good Milwaukee. Like you're doing all this stuff, manipulating some of the game. And we don't want, we don't want what you're doing to work. I will say this. The only thing that's going to benefit from this is Christian Yelich is now going to hit 400 because all those ground balls that he hit are now going to get through holes in the infield. So Mr. Two for four with two singles instead of walks now, he's back. That's true. I I, I thought that right away because, like, when he was on the Marlins, I don't think teams shifted like that. No. He was hitting for, like, the high average and not any home runs. So, yeah we'll probably see that back. You're right in that regard. Yeah. I mean, like you said, and I think we were, we were texting about this is like, I think taking, I think the thing about baseball, at least that I enjoy is there's a lot more strategy involved in this sport than most of the other ones. Like basketball is just like high paced, high energy athleticism. Football is kind of the high paced contact thing where I think baseball is just meant to be a lot more strategic and slow. So I think taking away the shift kind of, jabs at that a bit but I also said it's not like a hill that if you had to give me a choice where we were either going to not have a shift and the CBA negotiations were going to go on longer we were going to miss season because of stuff like that then you can take the shift away so it just felt like it wasn't a hill that I was going to die on but I think it is kind of dumb that they're taking it away now is it only limited to infielders or can you shift because I don't think this is like truly official yet I think they're still in like negotiations about it can you shift all three of your outfielders over i have or is there like is there like an imaginary line that you have to are we gonna get yeah. the yellow level line like the first down line in, well, into, well, like, into center well, field yeah like what happens if like your center fielder is shifted too far over to one side or the other does it like the guy get an automatic i think that's like you said i think that's stuff that they're still working out and i saw that there was like the player or People, the players and the owners have like 45 days since like something is proposed to figure out an agreement on it. So like, does the, the guy get to go to first if they're shifting on them and he, they're not supposed to? Like, I don't, yeah, I don't know how that's going to work. Right. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I guess the one thing I'll say that, you know, to spin zone it, if I'm just thinking out loud here, is that the Brewers pitching staff strikes out more people than anyone else. So like there a lot of the times like you're not even seeing a ball in play. Right. So like then the shift doesn't matter when Woody and Corbin are getting 12, 13 punches a night. And then you got, I mean, Adrian Hauser might become, you know, his game might become problematic, but 
it, it'll all be interesting once uh, that's a 2023 problem. We'll go get a ring first in 2022 and worry about those problems after. <laughs> and I'm sure we'll adapt too. So yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So no more game 163 tiebreakers was another thing. Um, they're getting rid of the, the ghost runner on second or the runner on second to start extra innings, which is good. I think um, they're going to play more games in other countries. They say, which is probably a good thing. Um, the draft. Yeah. Draft order. I was just going to say advertisements are coming to the jerseys. So it's going to be very fitting when I see the pot of logo on the front Jersey and they don't have the shatterproof glass up. So <laughs> yeah, the ads on the jerseys. Yeah. Which like, it's obviously going to come like, do you remember when the NBA did that? And people were like, there, there were people out there that were so rattled about it. And then after that, it's like, you don't even notice. I couldn't even tell you who's on the bucks front of the bucks jerseys right now. And I watch almost uh, every game. Yeah, you're right. Ah, uh, shit. It was Harley for a while. I don't it was think Harley Davidson for the first handful of years of it. Yeah. And now it's a new one. And I yeah. can't, now you're right. I can't even think. <laughs> and I watch pretty much every Bucks game. I couldn't even tell you. So that, to your point, like you just, people don't notice it. Yeah. And I can see like Yankees or like Cubs fans getting upset about that. But ultimately, that's going to happen. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. That's, uh, I think that's the the major gist of it. I'm just happy baseball's back. It's cool seeing the the footage of the, all the guys getting to spring training. You know, uh, the the Latin Brewers all showing up together. Freddie, Willie, and Luis Urias all all hanging out. So those photos are cool, and I'm just ready to get back into baseball here. Yeah, and you know, I mentioned it initially, but I think this helps us significantly because of the way we stockpile depth is the universal DH, I think, is really going to benefit us um, more so than a lot of other teams, just because we have so many good major league hitters. And in the past, it almost felt like we had guys in AAA that belonged up for playing time, or like when Tyrone Taylor was super hot, he wasn't getting enough APs. This universal DH should help solve that, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and that's that's good point, the universal DH. Um Going into effect right away this year, I a huge fan. I'm, I'm pretty sure majority of baseball fans are. I know there's a, there was a majority that loved the the strategy of National League baseball with the pitcher, but ultimately, dude, I'm I'm excited about the the DH in both leagues. I'm not sure about both of you. I think I think we're all on the same page there. I don't think you could persuade me to think that it would be fun. It's fun to watch pitchers hit. I mean, yeah, maybe in the end of games when you have pinch hitters coming up in those yeah. those moments, but no. Yeah, like yeah, like the Brandon Woodruff moment in the playoffs was absolutely electric, and like you won't get anything like that anymore. But it's also like, and you would view Woody as one of the better hitting pitchers, and what I don't think he homered after that. Right. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was like one of the Brewers pitchers that didn't because. Hauser, Eric Lauer hit a monster shot last year, um, but we won't see any more of those, but we'll see 27 more of them with the addition of Andrew McCutcheon to the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, that was announced by our, uh, our guy, Passan, and actually some, uh, someone else got the credit for announcing it. I forget who it was. Let's see here. Daniel Alvarez, who I've never heard of before. 
um, got credit from Passan for being the first one to announce it. But uh, outfielder Andrew McCutcheon, the Brewers are in an agreement on a contract. Um, he says that he will bring some offense to a Brewers team that already has elite pitching. Um, fellas, let's uh, let's hear your initial reaction to the the McCutcheon news, and then I'll uh, I'll give you my take here. You know, he he was one guy that I didn't have on my radar whatsoever. I didn't even think of possibility of signing him, but. You know, he walks a ton. His K percentage is middle of the road. Um, I mean, he's a certified brewer killer, so he's on our team now. So I guess we'll see how it plays out and see where CC wants to plug him into the lineup. I think Fangraphs has him plugged into the four-hole DHing already. I'm not sure that's where he'll be, but uh, with Renfro in there, but I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'm definitely excited to have him. Um, I heard he's an elite locker room presence and a great leader, so. Yeah, he's a career 981 OPS hitter at AmFam too. So, I mean, that's partially just because he's been a bird killer for so long. But I I think it's fair to say that we probably will never see. I mean, he's 35 years old. So, like, he will never be MVP Pittsburgh type McCutcheon. But there is clearly still a lot left in that bat, especially when you look at against lefties. There are a lot of advanced metrics that will pretty much tell you he's still one of the best hitters in all of baseball when it comes to facing left-handed pitching. Um, and for a team that is so lineup driven based upon who's starting for the opposing team, I think it's fair to say that we will see quite a bit of production out of Andrew McCutcheon this year, especially against left-handed pitching. Um, so all in all, I think this is just this goes back to David Stern's MO, especially like being a fan, which is kind of like makes it fun because it keeps us on our toes where it's like we're involved in all these rumors because we're showing interest in all these different people and then the signing always happens and it's one never anyone that and I know it got tweeted today that the Brewers were showing interest in Andrew McCutcheon but it can never make it never usually makes like the common sense type move because it's like okay the Brewers have a need at this position so you would think they would sign there nope we're signing another outfielder where you could make the argument that we have the most outfielders so um, I just love that about Stearns and and Arnold that they just pretty much are sign guys based upon value not necessarily need and then the season just kind of plays it out where they end up getting a ton of ABs. You picture this yeah. last year we were signing like Tim Lopes and Derek Fisher. Uh, I think it's a little bit of an upgrade signing McCutcheon um, going from those guys. So we saw how they played out no longer with the team, but yeah. And what do you, what do you got? No, I'm a fan of it. Um, yeah. To Mitch's point, not on our radar whatsoever. Like uh, Ken Rosenthal, I think reported the interest first this morning. Um, you know, I knew he was productive on the Phillies still. I obviously had to do some, some more research uh, today uh, and yeah, he, he kills lefties. He's going to walk a lot. Um, and no, I saw um, I, apparently a faction of Brewers Twitter was upset with uh, the caliber of move. And, you know, those type of people are never going to be happy. But when he's posting a 1027 OPS against left handed pat, pitching, um, a guy that had 27 home runs last year and would have been second on our team in home runs and RBI. Um, it's, uh, it's tough to complain getting someone on presumably a one-year deal around 10 million that hasn't been announced, but that's kind of what, uh, what we would ballpark that at. Um, I, I like the deal. I mean, look at, he's, 
Fangraphs is a very smart website and they have them slotted in, in the four hole just like that. So like, obviously uh, the, the Brewers order need to be beefed up a little bit. And, and this helps quite a bit. He's never had a below average year offensively ever, ever since he came into the league since 20, 2009. So even if you could say he's trending down, which yeah, he's 35. Like I said, he's not going to give us the Pittsburgh years when he was, you know, hitting um, OPS well over 900. But like you said, I mean, he, he's still one of the best hitters in all of baseball against left-handed pitching, which we've struggled against last year. We were one of the worst teams in baseball against left-handed pitching. So, I mean, the more you look at this move, the more it makes sense. And I'm sure he will have an awesome year this year, um, hitting at half his games at AmFam. So he's just not stealing 30 bags anymore and hitting 30 bombs. He's just hitting 30 bombs. You figure he's probably going to give you at least, at least at minimum an 800 OPS. I think uh, Fangraphs has him right around like 780, somewhere in that range. Um, a couple other sites have him a little bit higher, like 830 range, but we need that and we'll take it. Yeah, man. I'm not, you know, some of the offenses we've seen, uh, obviously last year was an improvement, but you know, the, the Brewers pitching is obviously on the, the strongest side of things. And I'm not going to sniff, you know, turn my nose at uh, an 800 OPS. Absolutely not. Um, I will gladly take that on the Brewers roster. A couple things that I was surprised about is one, just how much he walks, which is a great thing. Uh, you can always use, you know, more patience at the plate with the Brewers lineup. Um, kind of surprised of how, uh, how bad he was defensively with some of the advanced metrics. Um, I feel like outfield defense isn't one of those things that you really pay much attention to until they're playing on your team for 162. Um, but with the DH, I mean, he can spend most of his starts in, in that position. So I'm not too concerned with, uh, with that at all. Be honest, I thought he was like an elite defender, but the stats say otherwise. Well, when you think about it too, he's probably what the fifth outfielder on the depth chart. So realistically, how many games does he get defensively in the outfield? Because you have Taylor ahead of him, you got Kane ahead of him, you got Hunter Renfro ahead of him, you got Christian Yelich ahead of him. So he is, I would say defensively, he's our fifth outfielder. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine. Like, and they're talking about moving Keston out there too. So which we'll talk about defensive metrics catching in the outfield. I don't know. I just, I literally see Stearns and Arnold going full money ball, like sitting in Hatterberg's living room. Like that we're doing that to our entire team. You can play outfield. It's not that hard. No, it's incredibly difficult. Right. Yeah. Seriously, man. Yeah. Keston, that's, that'll be interesting. Yeah. He's another guy. I mean, like spring training comes around and he's tearing the cover off the ball. Like, like right now they don't even have him on the projected opening day roster on this, right. uh, the fan graph site, but um, you know, hopefully he's going to hit his way into contending for some at major league at bats. This roster is so deep. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it is like, uh, and we could go through more, you know, brewers oriented details with the complete makeup of the team here, but the roster is deep. And like, if Keston gets hot, I mean, he's like, uh, He's just not that far away from being a very productive big leaguer and a top 10 prospect in all of baseball. Um, obviously about as uh, literally as bad of a season as you can have um, had some stuff going on personally, but he's an under the radar guy definitely for this season, especially with the DH now. 
Agreed. So, I mean, like you said, we'll go into the roster a little bit deeper, but the Andrew McCutcheon signing, we haven't touched on Brad Boxberger, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Let's stick specifically to position players here. If we were, and we're very hard to predict. If we were to sign another position player, I'm thinking it's got to be left side of the infield, right? Because you have Adamus, Urias, and then Mark Brodesser that can play over there. But other than that, it feels like if we are to add someone, it's going to be on the left side of the infield, right? I think that you're exactly right. Because, like, the right, like, yeah. I mean, we don't really have a backup shortstop. Like, if Willie, like, do we really want – Jace Peterson playing shortstop for an extended period of time? Probably not. Like Mike Brissau, I don't think he plays a whole lot of shortstop. Um, you have guys that probably are capable for short spells, but oh, I guess Luis, Luis Urias right. play shortstop as well. Um, kind of just slot him in at third and forgot about him. But I agree with you. I think the left side of the uh, the infield is definitely where they would get someone. Or, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't think they expect and not that they would want him up anyways, but like Bryce Terang will probably start the year yeah. in AAA. That's but true. He's not like a guy that they're going to just sit on the bench. He would be – it feels like if we were to experience a significant injury on the left side of the infield, then maybe they would turn to Bryce Terang. But it doesn't feel like that if they were to add someone, they wouldn't have Bryce Terang as like a, a backup to just come sit behind Urias and Adamas. For all these people. I feel I truly feel like there's something bigger coming. I don't know what it is, but I mean, you think of how Jan. I mean, with the DH, yes, but you have McCutcheon, Yelich, um, Renfro, T Rat, Jace, and then even uh, Mitchell and Freelich. I mean, I feel like there's some sort of blockbuster trade coming. I don't know. I feel I feel it in my bones, like, man. Like what for Matt Chapman? Hopefully. Like, and we could talk more about the, the whole landscape of the league, but the A's are right there with the Reds of completely selling off every, you know, star that they have right now. I just want it to be known that I feel it coming. And I would welcome Matt Chapman with wide open arms in a, in a potential <laughs> trade. <laughs> just throw I mean, Hey, they're, they're, they're full fire sale. I mean, if you are, if you're the A's and even the Reds with like, we'll say Luis Castillo, those are, or Joey Votto, even if you are those guys and those teams come out and say, you know, we're not trading Matt Chapman or we're not trading Luis Castillo. Couldn't those players force those teams hands is like, Hey, I'm kind of in the, either in the prime of my career or the latter part of my career. Like I want a shot at winning a title. I'm not going to stick around for a rebuild. Can't they just force those teams' hands to trade them? You would think so. You, you know what? Great, Joey Votto. Yeah, like Joey Votto. Yeah, you, yeah, I, you, you feel bad for him, but he's also making massive money. But yeah, you, you also want to win games. I, I totally get that. But yeah, man, it's crazy. I, I don't know the and. And the Brewers, I feel like, have had, like, a few very solid off-seasons, but they have never – and Stearns might not ever do this. I don't know. But they've never, like, put their chips on the table yet with Stearns. I think right. if they were to make a move, and not that, like, I, I'm with you guys, I wouldn't 
say no to a Chapman deal, but I think Chapman only has two years left on his deal. It's this year and next year. Um, I think if they are to send a significant prospect haul, it would be for a, maybe not the guy that currently has the ceiling as like what Matt Olson is doing, but you would see another like Cedric Mullins or Brian Reynolds type trade where if they're going to trade four or five top prospects, it's going to be for a guy that they're getting for three or four years. Yeah. No, that makes sense. But yeah, uh, to your point, Matt Chapman's due to make nine and a half this year and then has his final year of arbitration next. So you're right. Two years of Matt Chapman. If, uh, if we're somehow speaking uh, Matt Chapman trade into existence right now, you know, theoretically that package is what, like you're giving up Luis probably with prospects. Or yeah, probably Ashby and Mitchell or Freelick um, would be right. Nice. right because Chapman is right up there with like Matt Olson as far as like talent production and then uh, contracts. Like Matt Olson has two years left on that deal, and they got the Braves, Christian Pache, and they're like the next best prospect, Seth Gundelickson or something. I don't know, some catcher. Yeah that apparently is their next best prospect and what I think the Braves have a pretty highly ranked system compared to ours. Right. Yeah. A lot better. And then they got their sixth best prospect too. So yeah, you're probably talking a package highlighted by Ashby and one of the outfielders. Fucking send it. (laughs) You know, Corbin Burns is going to make 5 million. Oh, I would totally buy in like, dude, if, if they trade for Chapman, like, this summer and next summer would be so goddamn fun. I mean, one of the best defensive third baseman in the game and he had a down offensive year last year, but that's another guy that can hit 25 to 35 home runs. And that lineup then just becomes so, so long. Yeah. And if there was ever a way to acquire him without giving up Ashby, if it meant giving up both of our top prospect outfielders and like Bryce Terang, you send that 100% of the time. Right. Absolutely. You, yeah. You try to hold on to Ashby if you can. Cause we realistically have four aces in our rotation this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that doesn't come around <laughs> ever our, in lifetimes. And our, our fives, Adrian Hauser, who is also pretty damn good. And then you have Eric Lower, Who is, who was <laughs> very good after the first month of last year. Yeah. So made a lot of important starts and a lot of good starts. Eric Lauer did. We have six above average pitchers. I think I owe Eric Lauer a handwritten apology no. from talking shit about him last year. At this yeah. time last year, we were making jokes about how he needed to be on knee pads painting his garage. Well, he was the one saying that. But, <laughs> but yeah, we, we, and if he ever listens, we did slander you. I'm not going to run away from that, but. He's uh he's been good and we won the trade so that's all that matters. <laughs> Shout out to Eric Lauer, man, what a guy. And you know it would hurt to see Luis go, but like you only get those those types of chances to get a Matt Chapman, you know, not very often. So like what like and the Rockies are in on Chris Bryant for some reason. Like what's going on there? Yeah, if Chris Bryant ends up signing with the Rockies. That was that's obviously just purely a money move. But how can you, as a generational type talent or an MVP type talent, 
look at what the Rockies have done last the last three years and be like, oh yeah, I'm going here to win. Yeah, it, it most definitely wouldn't be that. Because Trevor Story is like, unless like, unless like him and Trevor Story are talking to each other, like, hey, let's both go to Colorado here and like, you know, have a great three, four tandem. But dude, you can't just with if Story signs elsewhere and Bryant goes there, he's just gonna go there to rebuild. Right. And that would be purely a money grab. Maybe he wants to pad some stats in the thin air of the Rockies. I couldn't even tell you three other people on the Rockies roster right now. Um, not pitching. Not, not pitching. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, that would be a that'd be a challenge. I'd have to sit there and think about it. Probably, maybe could do it. Uh, what Taylor Rogers, their top like infield prospect is Brendan there? Rogers. Brendan Rogers. Yeah, Brendan, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good call. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's uh Ramal Tapia. Oh yeah. yeah, he's the he has those dreadlocks in the outfield. We'll do our we'll do our Rockies uh roster breakdown podcast a little bit later in the year. Yeah, sorry for anyone, you know, Rocky fans um listening to this, but yeah, and then on top of that with uh Brewers news, Brad Boxberger signed a one year two and a half million dollar deal um the day just yesterday. Um I kind of uh Hand up here. I kind of just figured he was on the team still. <laughs> I, saw the, I saw I saw the signing and I was like, huh, we didn't have him under contract, but I guess that makes sense because we signed him like we released him at the end of last spring and then signed him like right when the season started. Um, well, you guys know how much I love Boxberger. Um, he was great last year and hopefully he's like 80% of what he was last year and I'll be happy. So I don't know if you guys have any takes on it, but it's just – it's good to have another veteran bullpen arm in there. Yeah, I mean, and now you have Devin Williams back. Um, you, theoretically, you probably move either Eric Lauer or Adrian Hauser to the bullpen. Adrian Hauser actually – the way he pitched in the postseason in that kind of, like, gap role to hater, I could see them leveraging Lauer in the rotation, and then you have another strong back-end arm in Adrian Hauser. So you have – Hater, Hauser, Devin Williams, and Brad Boxberger. Then with all those young arms like Jake Cousins and um, uh, Miguel Sanchez, and I mean our bullpen's Charlie right. Yeah, our, our our bullpen's one of the best in baseball too. Like from top to bottom, starting rotation and bullpen, I think that tandem might be the best in baseball. Yeah, and for all the all the classic offseason noise of if we were going to trade Josh Hader, like, you know, we did a pod about that with Renfro, like, and it's another year we're going to have the best closer in baseball on our team. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm almost to the point now where I'm done talking about Hader trade hypotheticals um, and we can do an emergency pod if, if at any point he ever gets dealt with the Brewers, because until then um, I'm just, uh, he might be a brewer for life. <laughs> every every spring, he's going to show up and be the the best closer in the sport. Oh boy, you guys got anything else on? Uh, is there any more Brewers related news? I saw Aaron Ashby, which makes sense, is going to be treated as a starter and stretched out as a starter this spring. Um, I don't know. I saw there's media allowed into the locker rooms. I'm not sure. Was there any notable 
quotes or news with the Brewers other than Kutch and Boxberger here? Not at the it's, major league yeah. level. Level I, I saw David Fry was a player to be named later in the trade for – I don't even remember which one it was, but he's gone. One of our – David Fry was a catching prospect. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't think of anything. Cool, yeah. I mean, we'll uh, – well, obviously, this is just the beginning of us potting more consistently here. Um, the other the other handful, you know, we could do a quick trip around the league before we kind of wrap up this pod, and then we'll, we'll obviously be back in the mix on a more weekly basis now with ball actually starting. But uh, Fernando Tatis is out for two months with a fractured wrist, and uh, – it's apparently from a motorcycle accident in which uh, someone someone asked him to describe the accident of how it happened, and he responded saying, which one? Um, which isn't exactly what you would want to hear if you're a Padres fan. I, I'm, just, I'm just throwing that out there. Um, so, yeah, I guess do you guys have any, any thoughts on our guy Tatis? He's kind of off to a shaky – start for a guy so young with injuries on that massive of a contract yeah I mean imagine being Padres ownership and management knowing you just locked up 350 million dollars to a guy that seemingly um, is living life to the fullest and you can take that for for what it's worth but um, yeah the shoulder injury and now the wrist fracture from seemingly recklessly driving motorcycles on more than one occasion. So um, that's got to be pretty scary. And, and not just for um, <clears throat> Padres fans and Padres ownership, but for Tatis itself too. It's like one thing that we don't put into perspective is a lot of these guys come from situations where they're not used to having a ton of money at their discretion, right? I mean, $350 million is something I can't even comprehend. But if you come from a background that doesn't have that money and one day you sign that contract and now you pretty much are feel like you're invincible things happen I mean it's 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 scary and I hope that um the people that are around him and the people that he trusts and that are close to him you know start saying hey like you got to start taking care of yourself because you know you're, yeah. you're, you're lucky to be alive if you're getting in multiple motorcycle accidents yeah yeah I mean it's it's crazy if he's you know just three month, four month off season. He's been in, I wonder how, what, what multiple is like, do you think it's like four? <laughs> like, if you're saying which one, <clears throat> I mean, part of me thinks that he's wiped out on that thing, like five or six times over this off season. Yeah. Which is absurd. Yeah. That's yeah. So that was, uh, that was the bad news um, today, but another thing. So in division, uh, another Brewers killer is going out West. Jesse Winker um, and Eugenio Suarez both traded to the Seattle Mariners today. And uh, the Reds are like the Pirates now. They're like the, going to be competing for one of the worst teams in baseball this year. Yeah. Um, so 38 games the Brewers will play against the Reds and the Pirates. And if we don't win – 27 of those were probably disappointed like that's how bad those teams are right right it's also worth noting that another division move that that seemingly a scary division move is the cubs signed uh centerpiece shortstop mr 588 ops and simmons um so big time move for the cubs and 
adding a big impact bat to uh, their seemingly uh, deep lineup. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, you know, if, yeah, if you are a Cubs fan, I guess like you got to be optimistic. I mean, they also get to play the, uh, the pirates and the reds 19 times, but then you got to go face the best rotation in the sport and the Cardinals team that is, is pretty good themselves. And um, those two are still the, the top tier teams of the division, obviously. Yeah. I know you said that, said that with a hundred percent sarcasm, but just want to make that clear to all the listeners out there. <laughs> I lost I mean, it over here. <laughs> I mean, I saw their, their PA guy that basically said that, the, the division was open because the Cardinals and Brewers weren't making moves and that the Cubs roster could compete in 2022. So, I mean, I feel like we do this every single year that like the Brewers get discredited because they make a flurry of minor moves. And every single year we're sitting here 17 games up in September. And it's just like, okay. Yeah. Well, and also like, I, I think it's underestimated that, yeah, we lost Abby. Um, but the Brewers added with McCutcheon and Renfro like 60 home runs and 180, 100 to 200 RBI with those two guys. We won 90 games last year and we are significant. Our roster construction currently today, getting Devin Williams back with him being hurt down the stretch, Renfro, McCutcheon, our roster is significantly better than what it was last year. Ashby now for a full year. Yep, and here's our uh, projected go-to starting lineup against right-hand pitching, just real quick. Um, this is a potential lineup they might see on opening day this year. Colton Wong, Willie Adamas, Christian Yelich, Andrew McCutcheon, Rowdy Telez, Hunter Renfro, Omar Navias, Lorenzo Cain, Luis Urias in the nine-hole in this theoretical lineup. Do I really necessarily agree that Luis should be down that far? Probably not, but I mean – and the, the other cool thing about it is it's incredibly balanced now. Um, it goes left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, right. And then you got Taylor. Yeah, you got Taylor, Keston on the bench. Jace, Mike yeah. Rousseau, and then Pedro Severino, which is an underrated pickup himself with a, a pretty solid stick for a backup catcher. Um, that he also hits lefties pretty well, just like McCutcheon does. So, like, hopefully, you know, Stern saw with a 27th OPS against lefties and is going out and, and fixing that. Yeah, we have our hockey shift lineups depending upon if a right-handed pitcher is starting or left-handed pitcher. Yeah, I guess, uh, yeah. I mean, it's exciting, dude. The The fact that there's baseball in the end of the week here. Um, obviously, Milwaukee will be a great time this weekend with uh, – the tournament being hosted here, Wisconsin got a three seed. Marquette, your Marquette squad uh, facing North Carolina right off the bat. Um, they play on Thursday? Yeah, Thursday at 3.30. I will say this. I mean, we didn't – this is a baseball podcast, so I won't go into my Marquette takes. But uh, we <laughs> did uh, – I mean, we didn't play well down the stretch. So, I mean, I can't complain about seeding. But the fact that Madison gets to play a JV team in round one and round two is just – very fitting for Madison. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought the Badgers, honestly, like uh, the, the way they ended the season, I didn't really expect them to get like, they were like the ninth overall seed. They were like the first number three seed in the rankings. And I didn't necessarily expect that. Um, and, and of course they got to play in Milwaukee. They get a pretty favorable 
bracket too. So I'm a, I'm a bandwagon Wisconsin Badger basketball fan. Um, so I'll cheer for them. Uh, but I'm not going to be devastated if they, if, or when they lose. And I know, I know you have more hate in your heart towards, uh, towards the Badgers than, than we do. And boss is a legit, just Badger fan. I'm pretty sure. Right. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't bought into this Badger team all year, and then I finally bought in, and then they've been playing like shit. So I think I need to go back to being not bought in. Yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of the the typical, you know, you you start buying in, and, you know, they have a heartbreaking loss. They somehow lose to Nebraska at home for a full share of the Big Ten championship. You know, that's classic. They'll probably lose to Colgate. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we'll see. So we got basketball this weekend. We got some Brewers action, and I'm sure we'll be back. We'll, like I mentioned a few times during the pod, start doing these more consistently as there's uh, as there's baseball to talk about. Um, but with that being said, you guys got anything else, or we? Yeah, yeah. Next? One thing before we okay. close, I, I wanted to touch on it too. I didn't touch on it when we were talking about the CBA thing. The playoff structure this year is different. So we yeah. have 12 teams. And for the way it's going to be broken down is you have obviously six teams in each, both the AL and NL, the top two division winners will get a buy. And then the last division winner will play the worst wildcard team in a three game series. And then the four and five seeds will play in a three game wildcard series, which I think is huge because getting rid of that one game wildcard is big time because there's no reason that the Dodgers a hundred win team last year should have been playing a one game playoff. And if they would have lost, it would have been done. So that's a really good move for, for baseball. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's another good point too. Um, obviously we didn't cover everything with, uh, with all the CEA or all the MLB moves, but touched on some of the bigger ones. We'll jump in more into depth with Brewers news as it comes and MLB stuff next week. So um, with that being said, here's to, uh, here's to a successful Brewers 2022 and uh, let's cook fellas. Let's cook. Cook. Nobody on the road, nobody on the beach. Feel it in the air, the summer's out of reach. Empty lake, empty streets, the sun goes down alone. I'm driving by your house, oh no, you're not Got your hair combed back and sunglasses on me.